This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. It's the quintessential Portland experience for locals and tourists alike. But what is Powell's without wandering the Purple Room or the Rose Room or, you know, all of them? I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, a conversation with Emily Powell, the CEO of the famous family-owned bookstore. The Oregonian and Oregon Live's Mike Rogaway caught up with Powell for a wide-ranging conversation. They talked about the bookstore's future, how it's trying to adapt, what she's reading right now, and much more. Here's that conversation. Well, how's it going? How's the bookstore? <laughs> it's going. It's, uh, you know, I've been sending messages out to our employees every week. And I always say, you know, you sort of feel one day like, oh, I kind of have my hands around the situation. And then you wake up the next day and realize you're way behind. Something's shifted. So we're just kind of riding that uh, winding road for the time being. We're hanging in there at the moment. Um, Happy to tell you whatever detail in any direction you'd like. But for the time being, we're kind of holding steady. Well, you know, I wrote one article or maybe two when when you first closed in march and you had yeah. a an announcement at that time that said you know you were fighting hard to you're doing everything within your power to keep pals alive yep. for the next generation yep. of readers and writers it struck me at the time that that sounded like you were potentially facing an existential crisis for the bookstore yeah were you are you i would argue uh, at the time we just really didn't know we uh, we shut down the store very quickly. In hindsight, I wouldn't have minded doing it a few days earlier, but I also wouldn't have minded doing it with the ability to have a little more preparation. Um, and we did it, you know, out of a real concern for the safety of our customers and our employees. And also with the expectation that we would have to shut down our warehouse and our um, internet operations. We just didn't know what the future held. And the prospect of closing down your entire business and looking out and saying, we have no idea when we'll be able to start this up again and in what uh, shape or form uh, was certainly an existential crisis. Um, the honest answer at the moment uh, is we just don't know. And, and um, I feel like the story of survival for our business and certainly for a lot of other businesses, and mostly I can only speak to the independent book selling world, will really be told in the next six to 12 months because a lot of businesses can hold on with the uh, forbearance of their business partners, their landlords, their vendors, you know, for a period of time. But at a certain point, everyone, you know, has to pay their own bills. And we just don't know yet um, how that will play out in the next six to 12 to 18 months. I'm confident we will be here. I just don't know in what way, shape or form. And um, most of that confidence comes from uh, a faith in our customers to support us and also just the resilience and ingenuity of our folks to you know, figure this out. Mm-hmm. What are the the pressures? Is it um, 
you know, you, you talked about land forbearance from landlords, partners, suppliers. Right. Uh, <clears throat> forgive me for not knowing. I don't know if you own your downtown land. Right. And we, building. Own our, we own our downtown store and we own our um, uh, back of house operations. We own mm-hmm. our warehouse and our office buildings. We don't own the locations for our satellite stores. Mm-hmm. So we can, you know, cut ourselves to the bone, you know, uh, as landlords, and we absolutely will. And that's honestly been one of the saving graces of our story is that owning our property has meant we can, you know, be more flexible than the average landlord. Um, I don't know the financial situation of our other landlords, and I they are very gracious and supportive and want us to be long-term tenants as we already have been. But I also know we are expecting when we can reopen that store sales will be dramatically uh, low. Um, and so, you know, the ability to pay rent is still an unknown and the ability of our landlords to be able to be flexible with us is also an unknown. Mm-hmm. We all are going to have to keep having that conversation. Our vendors are being very flexible and supportive. Um, but same, you know, what will sales be? What will our ability be to take in the inventory that they sort of desperately need to get out in the world? And, and how will we be paying for that? Is Those are all real unknowns. At the moment, we're still in this phase of sort of day-to-day decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping we'll get a little more consistency to our world <laughs> environment, really, uh, in the next month or two and be able to say, okay, you know, in three months, we can see X. And in three months past that, we can see Y. But we're just not there yet. The great thing about Powell's, even at, even at some of your satellites, is that there are so many books in there, and it's it's attractive as a place to go and browse and be around other people yeah. and be around readers, and that's especially true right. downtown. And right. so I've I've wondered, I mean, is that experience on hiatus indefinitely, even at, even if you can reopen? You're asking the you're asking the million dollar whatever number question. <laughs> I don't. Uh, um, I am hopeful that if we can give ourselves a little time, that we will be able to find a way to create a version of that experience for our customers. Will it be different? Yes. But will it be Powell's? Absolutely. But at the same time, yeah, you know, you have to be able to pull a book off a shelf and feel comfortable touching something that someone else touched. Um, We have a million volumes in that store. We can't possibly disinfect every one of them uh, all day long. And, and they can't get wet, <laughs> you know, so books don't take well. <laughs> Luckily, they're not known to be, you know, the, the worst vector for transmission. But that being said, we need to protect ourselves, our employees, our customers, our community. So there are certainly compromises we'll have to make. Um, and we won't have tourism. I think that's a really big wild card for our business, but really for the state of Oregon. When will tourism come back and what will that mean for our store experience, for the downtown experience? Um, for the experience of people thinking about spending their free time in Oregon. Um, and that will certainly change the shopping experience at Powell's. It's just impossible to know what the what the time frame for this might be. Yeah. And I... Yes. On some level, you know, on my good days, I can say, well, this is kind of exciting. We get to go back to knowing Powell's back when it was just Powell's for Portland. What does Powell's look like? <laughs> when you take that away and it's just dependent on our local community and just serves our local community. And that's, that's interesting to me. Um, is it going to be an easy challenge to figure out how we run our business without all of that um, additional traffic? No, not at all. Um, but am I looking forward to rising to that challenge and figuring out how we serve Portland in a new and different way? Yes. That's something I think we are good at doing. 
you know, Kohl's reopened yesterday. McMinimins right. has reopened some of its stores. Uh, Apple is reopening some of its stores. Nordstrom is setting plans. Do you have? Do you see a any kind of reopening at your stores in the near term? No. No, we really feel the need to be slow and cautious. You know, our stores are not small. Of course, Kohl's is not small, and Apple stores are not small mm-hmm. either. But um, they're a different kind of shopping experience for the most part. They're a little bit more transactional. You come in, you're looking for something, someone can help you, you purchase and you leave. The Powell shopping experience is much more about spending time, lingering, browsing, meeting people, being with your friends or family, standing in the same aisle next to someone who shares a similar interest. Um, We just don't think opening right now is the safe thing to do for our employees or for our customers or for our business, frankly, the the act of opening is not a small one. It takes a lot of folks to do that work, to be pretty, you know, prepared to be open, to do it in a safe manner, but also just the work of moving you know, millions of books around on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And if we don't think that customers are going to be out in the numbers that we need, it's frankly too sort of dangerous to the business to be open from a financial perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's disheartening. Maybe not surprising, but it's disheartening. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's disheartening to me as well, but it's also, you know, I always take my first and foremost priority beyond my family is making sure this business is here. And so I'm going to be, we're going to be as a business as conservative as we need to be in order to make sure Powell's is here for the long run. And that's going to mean being a little bit slower than other businesses to make sure we do it right and we keep um, our community safe and we don't have to open and then close again, um, but that we keep the business safe as well. Let, let me ask you another question first. You know, sure. like like Music Millennium, I can order a record if I want it from there and go pick it up outside. Have you considered yeah. anything like that? Yeah, we just um, actually just was scheduling my own pickup. We have a soft launch underway to just practice um, a curbside pickup program at our store downtown. I'm hoping we'll be able to open that to the public in the next few days or week. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we've got that sort of Nest. We are hoping to have that available at our Hawthorne and Cedar Hills locations as well. So that's definitely coming soon. Um, we're also working on bringing back a different kind of author event. You know, we know that many folks are missing that opportunity to engage with their community and with writers that they um, appreciate. And so we've got some ideas for how to do that in a new virtual way. We're hoping that will be available um, early June. So little by little, what we're doing is sort of getting our legs steadied under us and beginning to think ahead and find creative solutions to this, you know, unusual moment in time. How is the online order business going for you? Well, it was, you know, phenomenal um, right out of the gate. I think nothing like a a scare of, you know, the whole shutdown. I think we certainly heard this from other local shops as well, that business was, was very strong right away. And we really struggled to adapt to that. We did our best, but it's hard to turn a big sort of elephant on a dime. Um, mm-hmm. But we did ultimately, and we're caught up now. Of course, those sales were sort of a, a momentary reaction to the crisis. And so they have certainly softened and um, they're holding somewhat steady. Our challenge at the moment is we have to find a new understanding of how our customers are shopping with us. So before we would say, oh, sales are going to be quieter online over the weekend, for example, because typically uh, e-commerce business does better when people are sitting at their desks at work. Tuesday, right. Wednesday, and Thursday are always historically busy shopping days online. 
but that's partly because they would go out of their house and go to the store on the weekend. Well, of course, right. now that's quite different. So we're still really learning the patterns of our online customers in a vacuum and um, trying to understand how to meet them where they are. For example, when it was really beautiful and sunny leading up to Mother's Day, sales you know, dropped. Not surprising when you're in Portland and we've had so much rain. But was it the rain and the sunshine or was it Mother's Day? You know, we still have to get our hands around this new environment um, to see how we can um, best support our customers. Do you have any, any advantages structurally over in Amazon when it comes, other than your brand, <laughs> when it comes right. to, to online shopping? Uh, that's, a really, that's a really great question. Um, of course, they have all the money and they have all the technology and all, they have all the people sitting in seats. So we certainly don't have that kind of firepower. I would argue what we do have are the folks on the floor, whether they're booksellers or they're programmers, or their development experts who are really connected to the customer experience. You know, they've been shoppers of Powell's for years. Everyone who's with us, for the most part, has a story about how they got to know Powell's and ultimately came to work with us. And so they really understand what our customers are needing and wanting and experiencing or the ways in which we're failing them, frankly, and how we need to do better. Um, And I don't know that Amazon really has that. There's so much automation and so much um, drive for bigger and bigger and bigger numbers um, that they're not connected to that customer experience. And we, that's what we have in spades. And, of course, also what we have in spades is our true passion and love for the product. I don't know how you have a passion and love for every product in the world, including bleach and toilet paper right now. <laughs> you know, but, but our yeah. folks are just uh, living and breathing um, books and themselves, you know, struggling to figure out what they want to read right now and what authors are talking about reading and what they'll be writing next. And that's just who we are. So they're as eager, if not more so than ever, to be connecting that passion to customers' um, interests. So we certainly have that going for us against Amazon. Um, But they're definitely the Goliath, that's for sure. Uh, Since you you mentioned the the passion of your employees and and what, what they're reading, what are you reading? (laughs) <laughs> it's funny you ask. It's so hard to find. I mean, this is what a lot of folks are talking about. What do you read? What do you watch in this very bizarre time? Um, I'm doing what a lot of people are doing, and that's going back to writing from way before uh, this moment in order to find some perspective. So I'm actually reading some short stories in Italian. I, I speak some Italian. I read some Italian, and I find uh, Italian writing really interesting. So um, Italian short stories from the 20s and 30s. Uh, I admire yeah. that. I, I have I have myself retreated. Uh, I, I'm I'm reading more pulp fiction and things like that. I don't yeah. want to have any heavy lifts yeah. right now. Well, I've lost my husband entirely to the Patrick O'Brien series, which I don't know if you know, but it's <laughs> I, I've read it. There are many volumes. Yeah, he's read it. Apparently, this is his sixth reading, and I joke he's just disappeared down a hole, and I'll get him back in a couple more months. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're all finding ways to just get through this time. Let's take a break, then come back and hear more of Mike Rogaway's conversation with Emily Powell. Now, back to Emily Powell. Uh, are there things the state, city, federal government could be doing to help? That's a tough one. You know, I generally feel like our job as a responsible business citizen is to sort of find our way. Um, um, and I also know the state 
and the city and the county really need our support right now. You know, they need us paying taxes in any way that we can because our local schools and our local services need that funding in a way that they haven't in a very long time. Um, so I feel like it's a, really a partnership and our responsibility is to be in business, to be employing as many people as possible, to be making those tax payments. Um, certainly we need some flexibility and I think we've been getting that on the state and, and local level, some understanding of what we're grappling with. I've certainly felt some frustration on the federal level. There seems to be a real lack of understanding about just the nuance of running business and that the businesses, for example, with the PPP program, mm -hmm. the businesses who can't return all of their employees quickly and therefore can't fully access that loan money are actually the businesses in much more distress than the ones who can very quickly say, oh, thanks, with a couple weeks of extra money, we can bring everyone back to work and we'll be just fine. You know, that's, that's missing the point entirely of what we're experiencing out here. Um, and so that's frustrating. I'm optimistic that, you know, one way or another, all of our voices will be heard at some point and there will be some solutions uh, to support, you know, businesses who are really fighting kind of on the front lines of this economic situation. Um, so I would say the help needs to come a bit more from the federal level and then on the local and state level. It's, it's our responsibility to be good partners with our government. Um, did you get did you seek or receive a PPP loan? We did. We did receive a loan um, and uh, we we're able to access a very small part of it because we're, you know, uh, it's never been an easy business being an independent book selling world. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was true in January and February uh, and certainly in March and April. So we're really reluctant to take on an actual loan and uh, we may have to do that. Um, but uh, in our efforts to avoid carrying a loan forward, um, if at all possible, that means we have access to only about a quarter of the loan that has been funded by the federal government. And that's completely connected to the fact that we know when we do open our stores, again, sales are going to be low. We can't bring back the number of employees we had in January and February and be able to keep them. And, um, you know, that's a rock and a hard place. Mm -hmm. May I? I, I'm a reporter, so I ask details. I yes. ask how much you sought and how much you you've chosen to access, or how much you received, and how much. Uh, I'd to you know that may end up on a list at some point, but I'd rather not share it for the time being. We did go for the full amount that we possibly could and received that funding. Um, the real challenge has been, you know, I'm not a CPA or an attorney, but it seems like these days. I know more than any uh, professional I've been able to find. Um, <laughs> no one has good answers on it's not written well. It's confusing. The language doesn't match with how businesses operate. Um, it's very bizarre. And so a lot of folks, and we're in the same boat, are saying, I'm not even sure I can spend this money because if it turns out I'm going to get dinged for spending it in a totally appropriate way, but in a way the federal government later decides, you know, they want it to handle differently, um, I can't afford the cost of that, you know, loan down the road. Right. Um, so it's a mess. Uh, um, yeah, uh, I've, you know, we've written a good deal about that program and, and, yes. and many businesses <laughs> expressed the same concern. Um, well, we waited yeah. really until the end. We didn't until the second round because it seemed very likely it just wouldn't work for us. And then we decided, well, let's just throw our hat in the ring and got funded. And now, yes, quite, you know, we're quite worried just about how they keep changing the rules and we are very careful business. And so when you are a careful business and you have to live carefully, um, having someone change the rules on you on a daily or weekly basis is not a fun experience. 
What's the downtown bookstore feel like right now when you walk through it? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I I've had a cough for the last six weeks, so oh. it's not a not it's not a place I'm welcome at the moment for good reason. Um, mm-hmm. I've mostly been staying away to make everyone feel more comfortable. No one wants someone coughing around. I don't have coronavirus. I've been tested, and but nonetheless, no one wants a cold with a cough right now either. So I haven't been around very much. What I have done is peek my head in occasionally at the quiet days and it is um I don't even have it's bizarre it's surreal it's also in some ways magical because when in life has the Powell's flagship store ever been this empty you know in some ways it feels a little like walking through the aisles with the ghosts of writers and readers and having a moment to say what does the future hold for this business you know where will it be in the months ahead um but it's not as it's meant to be. It's, you know, it's meant to be full. It's meant to be full of people sitting on the floor and packed in the aisles. And so in that sense, it feels quite wrong. We're getting mm-hmm. a program going to do some fundraisers for local nonprofits. And mm-hmm. we want to take advantage of how empty the store is. And one of the things we're hoping to do is auction off a shopping spree where you could come and shop the whole store by yourself. Uh, with a gift card. So to go to the whoever wins the raffle, sort of donating money to these nonprofits. Um, because again, when else will the store be this empty? It's, it is pretty special if you can if you can be one of those folks. Uh, I, I can imagine. That, does, that sounds fantastic. Like the proverbial kid <laughs> yeah. in a candy store, huh? Exactly. I ask you one, one more business-related question. The union had sure. some harsh words for you at the beginning of the process. What's your relationship yeah. with them right now? You know, we've been, I sort of say we've been married for about 20 years now. Um, Marriages have their good days and their bad days. But I always feel that the relationship only gets better over time as we, you know, learn and understand each other better. Of course, on their end, sometimes the the folks at the leadership table change. And so that relationship has to, you know, grow anew. And we're going through that growth phase right now. We've never had to grapple with the issues that we've had in front of us they're brand new. And I'm guessing most collective bargaining agreements in the country weren't written for a global pandemic. You know, these are, you're asking contracts to meet um, challenges that that are just completely outside of our understanding. So that's hard for sure. Um, But it's positive. Um, We challenge each other. Sometimes they find ways in which we made a mistake. Sometimes we find ways in which they maybe missed something. Um, but we're in daily, if not hourly, communication, and um, and I would say it's you know generally as strong as ever. Just before I called you, I wrote about McMinimins selling preferred stock, yes. and I, I wondered that. if you had considered anything similar, um, whether taking on investors or an unconventional financing arrangement like what what McMinimins is doing. It's hard for me to imagine we would ever do that. Um, certainly I never say never because times change and circumstances change. And my succession plan is five years old right now. So who knows what will happen between now and and he's, you know, ready, able, and potentially not interested. I don't know. Um, The succession plan being your son, I gather? Yes. Yeah. 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 (laughs) My retirement plan, I should say. He's got a little ways to go. How how old Um, is he? He's five and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Be a lot to (laughs) take on right now. Yeah. Um, so we've always felt pretty strongly. I mean, of course, it's my dad, me, my grandfather. Um, not that we are the most brilliant people in the world by any stretch, but that we, you know, I feel like I've got this business in my blood. 
you know, when I walk in the store, other people smell books. I smell my grandfather. Um, and at the end of the day, having one person who is ultimately responsible for that legacy and saying, no matter what it takes, this business needs to be here for the next generation of readers. Mm-hmm. To me, that's worth far more than diluting our ownership and our responsibilities and the people who ask, well, how are you going to get this done, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, being able to make the hard choices and 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 say this is this is just what it's going to take. Um, to me, that's um, just the most important, the most important at the end of the day. And we will always find our way one way or another, knock on wood. Are there people you're turning to for advice right now? People who, who have some wisdom on this unprecedented situation? You know, I'm on the phone pretty regularly with our former CEO. She knows our business so well. Certainly my dad. Um, I'm guessing I'm experiencing what a lot of people are experiencing, which is this is completely uncharted territory and each business is so unique in the way that it's being impacted, but also in the tools or resources or the challenges that it has. So ironically, the answer is really no. I've, I've had to sort of just dig deep and spend a lot of time staring out the window and thinking through complex problems um, and, and sort of picking a path. And ultimately what it comes down to is me and the, the management team at Powell's who we're so fortunate. Everyone has been at Powell's for so long. I work with a team of folks who are, you know, approximately 30 years each <laughs> in the company. So no one does anything unless we're all on the same page. Basically, they all voted me down on something recently, you know, but that's <laughs> what it is. It takes all of us saying, here's my perspective. Here's my experience. Here's what I think. We put it all on the table. We arm wrestle. We hash it out and we don't, you know, move forward until we all feel like we've made the best choice. So they're my best advisors in this time and they're all of course fed in their experience by the folks who work for them so i feel tremendously grateful that we have the people at powell's that we do um you know especially in this moment they've really risen to an an extraordinary challenge uh, of trying to figure out how to adapt they've taken on new roles maybe roles they did years ago maybe ones they you know did five minutes ago but now have to have to learn in a new way um, they've figured out how to get to work when there's not very much public transportation, if the work's on premise or they've mm-hmm. learned how to do the work at home, if that's where they now have to be. Um, it's been um, really remarkable. Understandably, everyone thinks about the customer's experience of the store, which is, of course, what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I live a slightly different reality, which is on the employee side. And it always strikes me how much we have become a home for people over the years, you know, a place where people have made long, very long-term careers, uh, where they've met their spouses or had families or divorces, where they've made their community. And I'm more grateful than ever for that because, of course, I get to stay in that family, but we've also, you know, lost a lot of folks. I hope they'll be back, but I don't know when and I don't know to what extent parts of our family are not here, and we hope they'll be back Um uh, but it's just an odd sort of nuance that doesn't get touched on um, in a lot of a lot of stories that people write about us. Well, I, I think that's that's true in many workplaces. Uh, we certainly feel yeah. it in ours. Uh, I'm sure that we're not together right now, and it it feels strange. Yeah, it does feel strange. You know, you you said it at the beginning of our conversation that you know the path ahead is is still somewhat unclear. But what I'm hearing from you is you know, you think there is a path. Am I hearing that right? Yes, absolutely. I have no idea what it looks like. And I guess I want to be clear in saying some days it feels like I'm confident there's a path only because I have faith that there is a path. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certainly days where I think, oh boy, how are we going to do this? But I know we are, you know, Powell's will be here. It may look different. It may feel different for a while, um, but, but it will be here. Now it will only be here. I will should emphasize it will only be here. You know, I think if customers really continue to show up and I know they will, and I have tremendous faith and gratitude for that support. Um, but of course, if we have a tremendous impact to our economy, if the unemployment rate goes through the roof even more, if folks feel really challenged meeting their bills, that's a different story. So I'm certainly optimistic and hopeful we won't we won't hit that reality. So that's why I say the story is yet to be written in the next six to 12 to 18 months, but I'm, I'm pretty confident Powell's will find its way. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Beat Check. If you like what we're doing with this show, please subscribe and give us a rating in review in Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. We'll be back on Monday with a regular episode, a conversation with investigative reporter Noelle Crombie about the criminal justice system. Until next time.